good to see you on this lovely, warm summer day. Summer is finally here. It's hard to believe it was just a couple of weeks ago we were shivering through a snowy morning, but uh, so it goes, and it's uh, lovely to be here uh, now that summer is truly upon us in every way. I want to give you, uh, as you know, summer is often a time filled with uh, weird scheduling and, and people doing different things, and, and that's true for this summer for me for sure. Uh, as it works out, I have a number of things that, that are coming in order that are going to take me away for the next three Sabbaths. So I'm going to be gone for the next three weeks. But you're not going to want to miss because it's going to be an amazing time here. I'm going to be disappointed. I'm not here for this. Um, next Sabbath, the, the new camp staff from Glacier View Ranch are going to be here and playing the major part of our worship service time. So that's exciting and it's really kind of extra exciting for us, except I won't be here, because uh, yesterday we took Ariel up to, or our daughter, up to Glacier View Ranch where she's going to be working on the staff this year. So she's there, and Jonah uh, is there as well. Jonah D'Olivera is there working on the staff as well, as, as Jessica and Kiefer's up there, and we're, uh, uh, the new director, Brandon, is, uh, who's becoming a part of our church here is there. So a lot of, we're very closely tied with what's going on there, and they'll be here to bless us. But then after that, it gets even better, because on June 25, Vanessa is going to speak for us. So she hasn't spoken here for quite a while, and that'll be really awesome to have her here to speak. And then July 2, Alicia is going to speak for us. So these are going to be some good Sabbaths, and you're going to want to be here to be a part of it. I'll be back on the 9th. If you have to miss one, miss the 9th, because it'll just be me. But on the others, make sure you're here and that you're a part of that. So um, let's pray and jump in here. Father in heaven, we pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us here today and that uh, the word spoken will be exactly what we need in this season, in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. It's kind of a crazy time. It's a crazy time on so many levels right now. Uh, so many places to look. It's just weird. There's, there's the, the two years of COVID that have led us into this spot. And here we are now with kind of another surge. We're not really sure exactly where it's going to go. We don't know exactly whether the vaccinations I have are going to keep me from getting it or the fact that I already had it is going to keep me from getting the latest mutation and the whole thing is just kind of crazy. Not really sure which way to go with it. There's all the crazy stuff going on in, in government and all of those things around us. There's, there's inflation levels that are crazy high right now. On the one hand, things look kind of stable. On the other hand, things look kind of shaky, and it's hard to know. What, what is an overreaction anymore? I'm not even sure what an overreaction looks like anymore. And it's in the context of that that I believe that, that God gave me a message to give to you today, and I'm even double sure about it after listening to the, the band practicing today and getting ready and every piece of this for this day, I believe God wants us to refocus our eyes because it's so easy in a crazy time for, our, for us to get distracted and we're everywhere 
and, and all that does is lead to stress on the inside. But I believe he wants us today to refocus our eyes. We need a recentering. We're going to spend most of our time today in Psalm chapter 40. So you can grab a Bible in front of you. I'll be using that same version. Psalm chapter 40. Now we're going to jump out a few times and add some pieces here. And in fact, the text that we had read today isn't even from Psalm 40. But I think when we get there, you'll understand why that is. those are key words. Psalm chapter 40 beginning in verse 4. It says, Blessed is the man or the woman who makes the Lord their trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. So Psalm 40, verse 4, is telling us, Blessed is the one who makes the Lord their trust. They do not turn to the proud or go after uh, go astray after a lie. So, so I think about that in, in this time. And there are so many lying voices out there right now. Trying to call us down this road. Trying to call us down that road. Trying to fool us about this. Taking us all over the place. But what this is telling us is trust in the Lord. So, so the number one thing that's going to get us through a time like this is faithfulness. To be faithful. The second, do not turn to the proud. The, the piece there that I'm seeing is we've got to be wise. We've got to be wise. And do not chase a lie. That means discerning. We need to be able to learn to tell the lying voices from the truthful voices. Psalm 40, verse 5. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. So what we're talking about here is a recentering on the one who loves us and the one who has done so much for us. The psalmist here is saying, your thoughts towards me, your deeds for me, nothing compares with them. I can't even begin to say everything you've done. So what things has God done? Well, certainly there's a long list. But this particular passage in Psalm 40 takes a turn at this point and focuses maybe even unwittingly to the author, but focuses specifically on one particular work that God has done for us. I don't think the author here understood at all the fullness of what they were writing. And this is what's amazing about the Scripture as you receive it by faith and then you see how it plays out in your life and in other things that go. Let's keep going here. Psalm 40, verse 6. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. 
I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. Now, presumably, whoever wrote this psalm was probably thinking about their own experience to some degree in this section that they're writing. Yet what is remarkable about what has been written here in Psalm chapter 40, a work that existed long before Jesus was ever born, is how much what is written perfectly describes what Jesus experienced and did. Look at these words again. Psalm chapter 40, verse 6. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Now, depending on your translation, you probably have a little footnote, something to indicate to you. Look down to the bottom of the page. There's something about this wording that's interesting. So here's what's interesting here. The actual old Hebrew form of this is that, but you have given me an open ear. But there was another translation of the Old Testament that developed later on that was called the Septuagint. And the Septuagint was a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And in the Septuagint, the translation of this verse is a little bit different. In the Septuagint, it says, In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but a body you have prepared. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, this will become relevant in a moment. Burn offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. Now, that certainly could be an aspirational reality for any of us, that God has given us either an ear to hear or a body to live that we would understand that it's not in the ritual of sacrifice and those things that God is pleased, but rather it's connected to us living out the will of God in our lives. And that works very well as a personal application. But there's an application to this that goes further. And in fact, the application is made by the author of the book of Hebrews. So if you go to Hebrews chapter 10 you will find these very interesting words. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1. It goes like this. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. So the argument here being made by the author of the book of Hebrews is, yes, you have these sacrifices that you're doing on a yearly basis. You have all of these rituals tied to the law, but they themselves are not what save you. They point you in a direction. Verse 2, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in the sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, 
Now notice these words. These words are being attributed to Jesus. Even though nowhere in the gospel do we have an exact quote of this, the author of Hebrews is attributing these words to Jesus. When he came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. So the author of Hebrews is quoting the Septuagint form of this passage. But a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Now I want to pause right there for just a second. He's attributing these words from this psalm. This is a quote of Psalm 40. He's attributing these words to Jesus and saying Jesus came into the world and said in, in the sacrifices of, of bulls and, and goats, you were not pleased, but you have given me a body. I have come into the world to do your will, O Lord. And then he says, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Do you remember when Jesus was was interacting one time and he said you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life but these are they that testify of me this is Jesus saying I have come as the prophecies have said I will then verse 8 when he said above you have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings these are offered according to the law then he added Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It's amazing that there is a psalm written so many years before Jesus that would explain exactly what Jesus came to do. I mentioned something earlier. I mentioned that very key to us in this time is, is our faithfulness to God. And I connected it with Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. And it's true enough but as we go along, as the psalmist writes, there is a greater reality beyond, behind this understanding. Suddenly what we discover is that in fact it is the faithfulness of God towards us that is really on display. And that faithfulness is contained in Jesus' suffering and sacrifice on our behalf. And it's that that calls from us a faithful response. It's not that we are faithful first. Rather, it is that God has been faithful to us by sending Jesus. And it is our response to his love and faithfulness that matters. This description goes on. Psalm chapter 40 again, verse 9. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love 
and your faithfulness from the great congregation. This is like the perfect summary of the ministry of Jesus. He went about preaching and teaching and healing. He told the good news of the kingdom of God to the great congregation of the people. He did not restrain his lips from speaking of the goodness of God, even when to do so put his life in danger. He is not hidden. He did not hide the deliverance that God had in mind. He spoke faithfully of the salvation that God was sending and of God's steadfast love, the love of the Father and faithfulness. Verse 11, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. Now notice where we go in verse 12. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Now you might be reading this and thinking, wait a minute, this isn't right. Jesus didn't have iniquities. Those things weren't part of that. Well, okay, true in the sense of his own behavior. But now remember why Jesus came. What we see here is a description of the work of Jesus during his life in sharing the message of the kingdom, that the kingdom of heaven has come, but also the reality of his role as sin bearer. He so associated himself with us and who we were that when our sins rolled upon him, the experience to him was as though he had committed them himself. And they overtook him. Our sins overtook him to where he could not see. And they were as the hairs of his head. Not so problematic for some of us. But our understanding was he actually had a full head of hair. Different. And all of this led Jesus to cry out. Verse 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! Were there people trying to snatch away Jesus' life? Oh, yeah. Were, those pe- were there people who wanted to see Jesus hurt? Yes, there were. All of these words in this section of this psalm, verses 13 to 15, they remind me of an event. An event in the life of Jesus that took place one night in a garden called Gethsemane. Psalm 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, My father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. 
these words remind me of this psalm in that he said, I have come to do your will. But then they also remind me of these words, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. In the moment where the sin was rolling onto him and he was becoming consumed in this reality, he cried out to the Lord, be pleased, Lord, to deliver me. But nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And then verse 40 of, Psalm, of Matthew 26. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you could not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I can't help but wonder, so, so often when I've read that passage, I've thought of it in terms of the disciples' flesh was weak. Yeah, maybe in their hearts they really wanted to help Jesus in that moment, but, but the flesh was weak and they fell asleep. But as I was reading it this week, there was another way this came to me. And it came to me in the sense that this is Jesus expressing his own experience. He's saying, yes, in my heart, I long to do the will of the Father, but in my flesh, I long for deliverance from this hour. And in understanding his weakness, he goes and prays again, again for the second time, verse 40 through 42, he went away and prayed, my Father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it. Your will be done. Which really puts the words spoken way too lightly by us from Psalm 40 verse 8 in context. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. That night in Gethsemane, to accept and do the will of God was the hardest thing ever. And in this is a reality check. To do God's will is not always to take the easy road. In fact, to do God's will is often to not take the easy road. To pray, thy will be done in my life, is not a safe prayer. You get that, right? To pray, thy will be done in my life is not a safe prayer, but it is an essential prayer. Yet those who do, who do do God's will, those who choose God's will, even at loss to themselves, to these, one day comes vindication and exaltation. Specifically in the case of Jesus, he is the first fruits in the example of this. Psalm 40, verse 15. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. So Jesus is taken away and he's taken before the Sanhedrin and they keep trying to find a way to condemn him and they can't come up with it. And so finally they just query him directly. Tell us clearly. Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And he says, it is as you say. 
And in the future, you will see me standing at the right hand of God, coming in the clouds of heaven. And they tear their garments. And they say, who needs any more testimony? Aha! Aha! You have blasphemed. Now you must die. And they take him through the hours of, of suffering and abuse. And he dies on the cross. And all of those who said, aha, felt in their hearts as though they had been victorious. But on the third day, Jesus rose again. Revelation chapter 1 Verse 4 speaks to this. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and made us a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Do you remember what Jesus said to them? And you will see me standing at the right hand of the Father, coming in the clouds. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. Psalm 40, verse 15. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, aha, aha. Yes, they had their day of seeming dominion. But when Jesus comes again in power, it will not be with boldness, they say, aha. Instead, it will be with shame, appalled in their hearts for their part in destroying the Son of God. To all those who have been abusers and have set themselves against God's will and chosen what they thought best for themselves against His will, the appearing of the Lord is not a moment of joy. Instead, it is a moment to be appalled in shame. But there's another group described in Psalm chapter 40, verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. It turns out that Revelation speaks of this group as well. Revelation 19, verse 1. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God, for his judgments are true and just. For he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. What that is saying there, understand the imagery here, this reference to the great prostitute. What this is a reference to is all of those things that came into the world and brought oppression to God's people, particularly the things operating under the illusion of spirituality that came in and were evil. An example of this is, is the, it was the council of the spiritual leaders of Israel that condemned Jesus to death. 
And there have through the years been groups and individuals and people who in the name of God have gone out and done great evil. And what we see taking place in Revelation 19 is God saying, these did not act in my name and now my justice has come. Verse 3, once more they cried out, hallelujah, the smoke from her goes up forever and ever. What does that mean? That means that the final destruction of all the things that are set against God's people has come. And God's people are delivered from pestilence and from, from lies in leadership and from, from oppressive spiritual structures and entities and organizations. The people are set free to follow God. Verse 4, And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God who was seated on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And from the throne came a voice saying, Praise our God, all you servants, you who fear him, small and great. The day, the day came when the faithfulness of Jesus was rewarded, when he rose again, overcoming sin and death for us all and granting deliverance to us all. And the day will come when all who believe, those living and those who rest in the sleep of death, will awake and be changed into new life at the return of Jesus. And all the suffering that takes place in the name of Jesus will no longer seem overwhelming when we look back at these experiences that have been so crushing and grinding to us. Our sorrows, our losses that at this point overwhelm us. On that day when Jesus returns, when we will look back at those things, they will seem almost as nothing in the face of the great redemption that is ours in Jesus. And all of this is because of God's faithfulness to us. Which brings us to the to the theme text today. Even though we've not spent our time here, it comes from the book of Lamentations. And this is the book written in the ashes of a destroyed Jerusalem in a time when even the most faithful had surely lost heart, being sure that the purposes of God had failed and all was lost. Yeah, okay, we're looking around at ourselves and, and it's a little shaky Things are a little wild, but it's not as bad as it was here. They didn't come and burn our church down. Yet here are the words. Lamentations 3, verse 19. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. That's the description of the bitterness and suffering that they've been through. Verse 20, my soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Not our faithfulness. God's faithfulness to us. Let me read those last two verses again. Because this is where we've got to recenter. This is where we've got to find our stable point in the midst of madness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It goes on, verse 24. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. If you can grab onto that, instead of thinking, my possessions are my portion, my relationships are my portion, those things are all blessings. But if our hope is there, we will be crushed. The Lord is my portion says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. Now I don't know how bad the times we're living in are going to get. Maybe we weather this And we settle back into something a little more stable. This is not the first time in my lifetime. I'm old enough to remember inflation being out of hand. I was alive in the late 70s. I saw that. And we've got social unrest, but it's not the first time. And and it's not necessarily right now any worse than the 1960s when political leaders were literally being assassinated. At least we haven't seen much of that at this point. But here's the thing. I also can't promise you that things won't keep spinning faster and faster and just kind of go out of control. I can't promise it. And I can't even promise you that even if it did just go completely out of control, that that means Jesus would be coming right then. I would hope for that. But that's not what happened when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. God's people have been through bad times. I can't promise you near-term outcomes. But I can tell you this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And I can tell you this, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will hope in him. And I can tell you this, it is good that one should wait patiently for the salvation of the Lord. All of which brings us back to Psalm 40. And the first verses of Psalm 40, which I left out. I don't know if you noticed that, but we started in verse 4. But I want to end back here on Psalm 40, verse 1. And I want to ask the band to come back up here because they're going to lead us to an important conclusion today. Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. Listen to this. I waited patiently for the Lord. 
Are you doing that? In the middle of the swirling madness, are your eyes focused on the fixed center and are you waiting patiently? I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock making my steps secure. There's only one solid rock and that rock is Jesus Christ. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see in fear and put their trust in the Lord. Can we live with a faith like this? In a time like this, we only can if our faith is in the faithfulness of God through Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we're going to be overthrown and consumed in the madness all around. Psalm 40, verse 4. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. Faith, wisdom, and discernment. That's what we need right now. Faith, wisdom, discernment. This is what's going to get us through these times. This is what's always gotten the believers through. Faith, wisdom, discernment. And you know what? One more thing. Psalm 117, verse 1. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now, you see that word there, praise the Lord. I mean, that's actually three words spelled out there. You know what that word is? If you were reading Aramaic right now, what is it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you live with the spirit of praise despite difficult and uncertain days? Can you live a life of endless hallelujah? If not, or if you haven't, God can put a new song in your mouth. And if you're willing to trust Him, it can start right now.